There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef. We all know that sleep comes with a long list of health benefits, everything from reducing inflammation and stress, improving cognitive function and more. A good night's sleep also regulates uh, good moods, increases productivity, and gives our immune system a much needed boost. Whether you've had sleeping problems before this global pandemic, or if they've only come on recently, Dr. Drerup is here to share with us a few tips on how to get a great sleep amid this pandemic. Dr. Michelle Drerup is a psychologist as well as the Director of Behavioral Sleep Medicine in Cleveland Clinic. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And please remember this is for informational purposes only and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. Isolation, school closures, quarantines, and working from home all bring profound changes to normal routines for people of all ages and walks of life. Can you talk to us a little bit about why sleep is vital during a pandemic? Well, you mentioned it in your introduction that, you know, sleep has a, a significant impact on our immune functioning. Um, so number one, as we're wanting to make sure that we're less susceptible to, to the virus, getting adequate sleep is one way we can, we can do that. You know, there are studies that show that when people are sleep deprived and are exposed to the common cold virus, they have higher rates of acquiring a cold. So we know it has a significant impact on not only immunity, but also our emotional and mental health as well. So while we're under the stress um, um, of the current situation, getting adequate sleep can help us deal with that. Now, when you talk about sleep deprivation, um, are there uh, signs that we can tell right away if, we're, if we are sleep deprived or if our kids are sleep deprived? Um, you know, one of the most common is that you feel sleepy during the daytime and you feel the need to have a nap or you're do dozing off when you're not intentionally doing that. Um, another common uh, symptom of being sleep deprived is, is an impact on, a on your mood. So maybe you're more irritable, less patient, um, more unable to control emotions. That's a symptom. Um, you know, but we have physical symptoms of it and things like feeling, um, you know, hungrier or, um, you know, having headaches, things like that, um, as well as the emotional or mental. Great. Now, many are finding ourselves fatigued during this time. Can we talk about how to maintain a healthy sleep schedule and routine uh, during this stressful time, both for adults and kids, if it's different? Yeah, so it's, it's a, a challenge we're seeing for a lot of our patients, but you know, on the other hand, some of our patients that had sleep problems are actually sleeping better now during the pandemic because they can sleep more according to what their natural circadian tendency is. So say individual who's more of a night owl and they don't have the long commute in the morning anymore, they can get that extra hour of sleep um, and it actually feels much better for them and they sleep better. So whatever the schedule it is that you're keeping, it's being consistent with it. So same thing with our kids. If, if your children are sleeping a little later in the morning, it's keeping consistent with that schedule right now. 
Great. And that was actually going to be my next question, because with working from home, some people not working and schools, uh, you know, everything being done at home, kids are sleeping in. Um, and maybe we are sleeping in. Is It's not a bad thing if it's consistent, then you're saying? Right. It, you know, oversleeping is a problem. So say you're you're sleeping, you know, usually you would get eight hours of sleep and that would be fine. And now you find yourself sleeping nine, 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Oversleeping can actually make us feel more tired. But if it's just that, you know, well, I, you know, when my kids are off in the summer, they tend to sleep a little later and sleep in a little later. And now we're keeping that same schedule, but it's consistent, you know, say they're going to bed an hour later than they normally would and wake an hour later, just that they're getting an adequate amount of sleep. Um, They're meeting their sleep needs as well as, um, you know, staying consistent. Sure. Now with a lot of, uh, meetings, work meetings, school, everything turning virtual, like this interview right here. Um, We find ourselves in front of screens a lot and TV, computers. Can this be affecting our sleep and our kids' sleep? It can, especially if we're doing a lot of screen time in the evenings. Um, And so we know that the the blue light that's emitted from our screens has an impact on our melatonin production. So it it, uh, inhibits melatonin production. So trying to avoid screens as much as possible within a couple hours for bedtime is, is ideal. Um, you know, during the daytime, you know, the, the thing to do would be trying to get outside and getting some natural light on days that we have sunlight to help keep our circadian rhythm kind of on track. Excellent. Now, even with a reasonable bedtime, um, I find myself having fragmented sleep. Um, and you wake up in the middle of the night and what is the best way to go right back to bed or to fall back asleep naturally? So number one, it's to not have your phone next to the bed um, because that uh, lures us into, oh, I'm just going to check my email real quick and then, you know, go down the rabbit hole. Um, other things to do would be trying to do something to distract from maybe some of the stress and worries that are, are on our minds now. So a lot of people are using um, different meditation apps or listening to music, something like that, to kind of tune our focus to. um, And so some of those thoughts don't start to ramble around in our head. Okay, so no phones and kind of meditation app or soft symphonies to calm our brains down. The phone is oftentimes the way we access (laughs) them. Right. (laughs) So there's... A little bit of a, a, a conundrum there, but it's really, you know, that I put the app on and I let it go and I'm not on my phone scrolling through. Sure. Now, schools are canceled and doing everything at home, and we do have some kind of schedule at home, but when summer starts and, and kids don't have anything to do, um, would these long-term consequences affect our health with sleep disruption? Yeah, I mean, in, in summer, hopefully it'll be easier for us to have our kids out and active because that's the best thing for sleep is increased physical activity. So that will increase sleep drive. Um, but also the same thing, you know, in terms of a summer schedule is even if it's a delayed schedule, trying to keep consistent with that schedule and trying to find things to keep them engaged and more active during the daytime. Yeah, and hopefully put them to bed early and make them more tired. Um, I wanted to ask you about dreams. Is there a connection between anxiety and disturbing dreams? Because uh, I feel like many people have been talking about having kind of crazy dreams during this whole pandemic, and maybe it's because of the pandemic that's scaring uh, people, or what could it be? 
yeah, there definitely is a connection. Um, we saw this uh, post 9-11 as well, that people were having an increase in kind of vivid, disturbing dreams or nightmares. Um, and so there is a connection. You know, one of the, the theories behind, we don't know a lot about why we dream still. Um, it's hard to measure, um, you know, because it's when we're sleeping and you're aware of it happening. But, you know, one of the things that, that we, we believe about dreaming is that you're kind of processing things from the day. Um, it's a way of kind of your brain trying to file away information. So it doesn't always make sense. It's kind of pieces and parts of things. But when we're kind of been uh, more inundated with uh, things that you know, are, are stressful, it tends to come out in our dreams. So that, that definitely plays a role. You know, things to do to try to decrease that occurrence um, would be trying to avoid watching the news before bedtime, um, doing things that are more relaxing and kind of unplugging um, before before bedtime, so that's not what you go um, into night with. And you know, another reason why we may be actually having more awareness of our, our of having these dreams is that if we're spending more time in bed and we're getting more REM sleep, REM sleep occurs in the latter morning period. That's you know, if we're waking out of REM that's when we remember our dreams. So it also could be just in terms of what's happening with our sleep pattern that that is increasing. I see, very good. Um, I know we talked about naps a little bit earlier and you mentioned, you know, if you're sleep deprived, you'll, you were gonna want to nap, um, but are naps important? I mean, now that we're home all the time and we have time to nap, um, are naps important and how long should they really be? So, you know, if you have sleep difficulties at night, they probably should be eliminated to see if that will improve your sleep if you're having fragmented sleep at night. But um, we always recommend that, you know, naps can be really helpful, um, but they should be, we kind of call them smart naps. They should be shorter. They should be earlier in the day. Um, usually after lunch is a good time for people because our circadian rhythm is actually pushing us a little more towards sleep at that time. We're really limiting it to that idea of a power nap. 15, 20 minutes. Um, when you sleep longer than that, you start to go into deeper stages of sleep. And so people will find like, if I took an hour and a half, two hour nap, I feel groggy after I wake, I feel worse. And then longer naps are gonna be more likely to take away from your night's sleep as well. So one thing that um, you can do if, if you're feeling tired or sleepy during the daytime is actually combine the benefits of caffeine and having a short nap, and we call it a calf nap. So you would drink a little bit of caffeine, take your nap, 15, 20 minute power nap. And so when you're waking up from the nap, the caffeine is actually starting to hit and makes you even more alert. Now uh, with children, um, not no longer infants that actually need to nap, but children themselves, if they're not napping, uh, during the day, is it something that we should be encouraging if they're sleeping late and waking up late, or do you think uh, naps should only be for whoever is feeling like they need to sleep? Yeah, you know, really, uh, naps aren't necessary after preschool, essentially, right? Most kids are dropping their their last nap at the age of five, um, and so they, you know, if they're getting an adequate amount of sleep during the daytime uh, or during the night, then they a nap isn't necessary. Now you might want a nap so that you have a little quiet time or downtime, right? But but yeah, they're not necessary. I think it is important to have time for kids that um, during the daytime where 
you know, you kind of call it quiet time. And if they fall asleep because they're, they're, they're sleepy, that's okay. Um, but also just kind of unplugging them for a little bit that, okay, you can look at your books in your room. You can do something quietly for the next half hour um, to get them also comfortable with like, it's okay to be bored and I can find something to do during that time that I don't need some, something entertaining me. So now, to, to the important question. Now, how do we improve our overall sleep and make sure we're getting the best sleep possible right now? Can you give us tips and hints on what to do? So we've talked about some of these and it's kind of combining a lot of these pieces for, for uh, individuals. So, you know, starting with the morning, keeping a consistent wake time, you have to think about that as this is my anchor and my sleep drive is gonna be building from this time. So if I vary that a lot, then I'm gonna not be ready for sleep at the same time every night. So awake time consistently is much more important than I should be in bed at X amount of time, you know? Mm -hmm. So you wanna have a goal bedtime, say I'm gonna aim to be in bed at by 11, so I, if I wake up at seven, I have eight hours. But, you know, if you're not sleepy at 11 and you go to bed, you're just gonna lay there and start to think. So it's really kind of, winding yourself down, having a buffer zone to be ready for bed, but delaying your bedtime if you're not really sleeping. Um, the things that you know, are, are disruptors now are you know, binge watching Netflix, right? Uh, so I'm just watching a show, oh, one more. Now I might've been sleepy, but I kind of blew through that sleepiness. So it's gonna keep me awake and I could have fallen asleep earlier. Um, getting activity, exercise, um, getting outdoors, getting that light exposure, especially in the morning during the day is really important as well. And many find ourselves um, late night snacking. Does that affect our sleep? So it can. Late night snacking can be, you know, disruptive to sleep. Um, some people will find like if I, you know, especially if they have, they have reflux issues that will worsen that. It can cause more disturbing nightmares uh, as well and more vivid dreams. And you know, your digestive system is a stimulating process, so it can keep you awake. Now, and obviously, you know, the thing we sometimes we like to snack on are our sweets, things that might actually have caffeine in, like chocolate. So really being mindful of that as well. Now, with going back to work and uh, some of the jobs getting their employees back, some daycares opening, can you tell us what we can do to uh, make sure our sleep schedule is uh, on par and that we can wake up early and we're getting our full eight hours of sleep? So if, let's say you've been going to bed a couple hours later, waking up a couple hours later, as soon as you know your time frame of, of when you're going to be going back into the office, what I would recommend is gradually shifting your bedtime and wake time um, in like 15 to 20 minute increments um, every couple of nights. So, you know, if you're, this is oftentimes what we recommend for people with uh, daylight savings time as well, as well, that's gradually shifting slowly versus, okay, well, you know, I woke up at 10 o'clock and now I'm going to try to go to bed at 9 p.m. tonight. You're not, you're not going to fall asleep. So it's just a gradual shifting of the sleep. So how many hours um, should I be sleeping to know that I'm not going to be sleep deprived? And does that change for kids, infants, newborns, and so on? So most adults, the average sleep is sleep need is seven to nine hours. Um, but everybody's sleep need is different. So some people will sleep 
six hours, they feel refreshed, they don't feel sleepy during the day, they function fine, and that might be their sleep need. Um, but on average, most people are in that seven to nine as adults. Now, our younger ones, um, you know, when we're babies, baby sleeps 14 to 17 hours in 24 hours. They don't sleep at all in, in you know, one consolidated period as, as parents will, you know, unfortunately experience and be able to tell you. But then as, as kids get older, our, probably our most vulnerable population is our teenage population. You know, they still have a little bit higher sleep need. They should really be getting, you know, probably nine to 10 hours a night. Um, and oftentimes are getting less than even adults based on their obligations and things. So this time of the pandemic is one, is one of the things that we're seeing, um, sleep tracker data has been published looking at this and that we're actually getting a little more sleep. Um, so there has been a positive thing. It's just trying to figure out how do we maintain this in, increased sleep time when we go back to, to our, our other schedules. And lastly, do adults and kids both take the same approach to a good night's sleep? Because the way I approach uh, going to bed at night when I can't sleep at 11, like you mentioned, versus my kids can't sleep at 11, telling them not to go on the electronics and just to you know read a book. Is, are, is there anything we could do for kids that could be a little bit different or adjusted uh, to help them sleep better? Um, you know, we, it's funny because the things that we usually do for kids, we should be doing as adults and we don't do, right? So for, for a child, the, the thing that we do to help them, train them to sleep is we have a very similar routine that, okay, we're gonna brush your teeth, you get your pajamas on, we read two stories, you know, you, most people would know I should not let my kid be on the TV, you know, to help them fall asleep or to have the phone or iPad, right? But we do that as adults. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think we need to be more like how we are with our kids um, and it would help us sleep better. Now, there are some great apps out there for kids as well. Um, so some of the things like using the, you know, there's a different versions of, of the meditation apps. I think that would be fine to use, you know, and people are like, well, what if I, I have to use that to help me fall asleep? Is that like a crutch? Is that a bad thing? Well, if it's not something that, you know, you can, you can take it with you, you, you know, you can have it wherever you at, you're at. It's not something that it, it's a real negative. It, yeah, maybe you need it to help you fall asleep, but you know, that's not a, a problem more so becomes problematic if, you know, say, well, I, I, I rock my child or I rub their back and that helps them fall asleep. Well, then I have to be there, right? Um, so we want to try to make it so that it, it can be something that they can do on their own to help them, help them wind down versus having to have a, somebody present. Um, so having like an app or music, something like that, it's not a bad thing to get used to. It's not bad to fall asleep with the phone on some kind of meditation app. No. That's and, good. you know, we do it um, for for infants, right? When we we have the sound machines, right? Um, we use those to to help them. Um, you know, so very similar ideas. Excellent. So sound routine and consistency is key for all. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, and hopefully, with this information, we'll all be still steer clear of any sleep problems during this pandemic. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, you know, I, I would say that we do have um, behavioral sleep medicine specialists. If someone is really feeling like I'm trying some of these strategies, they're not helping, I'm feeling really anxious about sleep. Um, when someone has uh, more chronic problems, 
it becomes really about not necessarily other stressors that might be influencing my sleep, but I'm stressed about not sleeping. And that makes me have a lot of uh, anxiety just at bedtime um, and through the night. And it kind of becomes a vicious cycle. Sure. So that at the Cleveland Clinic and, uh, and a lot of other places, there are psychologists like myself um, that provide, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And it's really addressing the behaviors as well as the thoughts that um, maintain insomnia so that there is help out there. And, you know, medications uh, are, are not necessarily a bad thing short term, but don't provide a really good long-term solution versus cognitive behavioral therapy has really good efficacy, both in the short term as well as long-term outcomes. Thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. So for more resources on sleep disorders or to make an appointment with a specialist, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash sleep. And for the latest coronavirus news and updates from Cleveland Clinic, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash coronavirus. Thank you so much for tuning in and stay safe. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.